Welcome to episode five of the In the Name of Service podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. Here we broadcast stories of men and women who've answered the call to serve in hopes of inspiring and catalyzing the rest of us to follow suit in our own way. Today's interview is with Amy Nash. Amy is the mother of two, the wife of a retired Marine Special Operations veteran, and a licensed clinical social worker currently serving at Special Operations Command Africa. I had the great opportunity to work alongside Amy for a few years in our previous positions. She's driven, insightful, and not afraid of supporting individuals during their most challenging seasons of life. I admire her greatly for her poise, courage, humility, and ability to hold tight to her own health and well-being so she can continue to help others. In today's conversation, you'll notice a few themes that have served Amy well in her life and career and continue to help those she serves. One theme is expectation management, which means communicating in a way that every person involved has a clear understanding of what to expect and when to expect it keeping an open dialogue, making the process collaborative, and promising only what can realistically be delivered. And the second is taking inventory, a process by which you intentionally take time to pause and consider your own interests, values, and behaviors, all of which can provide insight into yourself, offer you encouragement as you see the areas in which you've grown, and challenge you with new areas for growth and development. Since Amy and her family are serving abroad, our connection wasn't the greatest, which you may notice in the quality of audio. That aside, this conversation will offer you practical ways to think and communicate about your service, creating the most solid fit between your work, your loved ones, and your phase of life. If you're at all interested in the field of social work, please listen and share as Amy describes the breadth and depth of this helping profession and check out the show notes. Amy provided several helpful links and resources for more information. One of those is called Sound Off, the first and only mental health resource for veterans, service members, and intelligence officers that allows both anonymity and repeat contact with clinician or peer support. I hope this episode encourages you in the work before you today. Thank you for listening. Amy, thank you so much for your time today. If you'll start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. I am a wife, mother to two beautiful girls. Uh, I'm currently working at Special Operations Command Africa, uh, located over in Stuttgart, Germany. Um, Prior to that, I was over at Fort Bragg with an organization and also spent years over at Marine Special Operations Command and obviously supporting service members and their families in those capacities. Prior to the military support, I worked hospice, end-of-life care, and also acute psych. I do hold a master's degree from the University of Southern California, and I'm licensed as a clinical social worker in the state of North Carolina. I've served the soft lifestyle from a south, more of like a spouse perspective, as my husband was an operator for about 24 years. Um, but beyond all that stuff, really what you need to know about me is family is important to me. I love to travel, exercise, and make the moments matter in life. Awesome. Okay, I do have a small question about that. You mentioned yes. acute sight, is that what you said? Yes. Okay. So I don't know it what works, that is. Yes. 
I worked um, at the only children's hospital in the state of Virginia. Um, it was a 48-bed facility where it was acute psychiatric care and, again, the only one in the state of Virginia. And bottom line up front, I, when I worked in this capacity, it was under a practicum, and I told the professors, I said, I don't want to ever work with children, and I don't want to <laughs> work um, with animals because I, I have such an affinity for them. Yeah. And they said, okay, well, knowing that, we're going to make you uncomfortable and we're going to put you with kids, but we're going to give you what you want, which is that clinical you know, acumen that you're, wow. you're desiring. So okay. it, was a, it was an invaluable experience. I learned a lot. By getting uncomfortable, I, I actually enjoyed working with children. And also, it, it very much solidified that I have no desire to ever work acute psych when it comes to children and adolescents. Oh. Adults, yes. Children, adolescents, no. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, thanks for clarifying that. I didn't know that about your background. So yeah. what originally led you to pursue social work as a career? Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think that's a great question. Um, a lot of my career choice is due to my family of origin more and how I was raised. Service has always been important to my family. I had to take on a caregiving role at an early age for one of my parents. And I also had family members and friends who utilized psychotherapy. I can, I can candidly say that we weren't a family that often talked about our feelings but I think that there was normalization to get support if it was needed, right? So it was probably the foundation where I really contemplated, you know, serving others and started to get me curious on more of like a helping profession. In college, I was actually a pre-med major and I started to explore kind of what I wanted to be when I grew up. And again, it was leaning towards the helping profession, but I've always enjoyed talking to people I had taken an abnormal psychology course in undergrad. I was one of my random electives, and I couldn't get over kind of how intrigued I was in the material. So I ended up requesting to meet with a clinical psychologist and a social worker. And honestly, the psychology courses have been more fascinating to me. But at the phase of life that I was in, the social work profession allowed for the portability. And I kind of liked the aspect of the micro, which like more of the one-on-one, the clinical role, yes. um, the opportunities for, for mezzo, which is more of like group dynamics, and also kind of the macro lobbying, advocating for others, those kind of opportunities that can be, you know, you can, you can do so many things with a, with a social work background, and I think a lot of people aren't tracking really what that looks like from, from the social work perspective. So I changed my major. I pursued social work specifically on the clinical aspect, and here I am today. You mentioned in your introduction, you know, you are a military spouse. You've been serving in a military um, environment for a very long time. Can you speak to what service and sacrifice has looked like in your own life? Like, feel free to go personal or, or professional or split those up however you see fit. Sure. So I, I kind of touched on a little bit that service 
kind of started fairly early. I actually remember growing up, and my grandparents lived in California, so I spent my summers out there. And I remember being about six or seven and looking on the fridge, and there was a comic strip that my grandfather had, and it still resonates to me today. And it said that working for the Lord doesn't pay much, but the retirement is out of this world. And I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's stuck with me to this day. I I love that. um, Yeah. And it was just like an old comic strip cut out of the newspaper. But great role model for me. He served in the military, CIA, and then private sector. Um, It was someone I greatly looked up to. But when he had terminal cancer... I experienced end-of-life care in hospice, you know, on a personal level when he was actively dying. And having those individuals there for such a pivotal moment of my life, it was really invaluable. And I really got to see how other people serve in in all kinds of different capacities. So fast forward to kind of my service personally, prior to working within the military and the soft population, I worked at hospice for years. And I actually applied for the role solely because I felt the need kind of to give back based on the experience yes. personally that I had with hospice um, and how, you know, how much those people were meaningful to me as they served. Um, so that's really, you know, working for hospice is actually one of the greatest honors uh, because you're supporting an individual and a family as their loved one kind of navigates end of life care. Uh, and it's not a job for any, you know, for everyone, uh, because obviously you're experiencing death and, and dying uh, almost daily. Right. However, I I loved being able to support people during a really vulnerable time, and I think it served me well as I kind of navigated into the role within the military. But full transparency, uh, you know, as you noted, I was a military spouse, and I think there's something to be said with that. On a personal level, I did some volunteering with family readiness to give back to other military families and support service members. But if I'm just being candid, I think the bigger service came from really the informal connection support. Mm. And so whether it's whether it's watching someone's kid or listening to someone's vent about the op tempo and having that empathy and compassion and just being there right with someone, just being that listening ear whether it's a meal train, rallying when there's a training accident or, you know, worst case scenario when someone was killed in action, there is constant service from the family perspective. Right. And, you know, I I also think that, you know, it was really valuable to me that my husband sat me down probably about 17 years ago and he told me he said you know this job is always going to take me away yeah Um, but to be clear you are always the enduring and if you can you know if you can navigate this and and support me through this and and we support one another I promise that it'll it'll make up for it in the long run and I think that really stuck with me as far as you know the service that, that you know people within the military do but then also kind of how that is reciprocated, whether it be variants of different relationships, right? Um, So I think there's something to be said there. But I think that it was kind of helpful to me, you know, going from 
the, you know, military spouse perspective to also going into a provider role, understanding the service of the military and also what the families do, right? I think that's one of the reasons why I pursued working within the military population, particularly during the kinetic time because of the, just the operational tempo and just, you know, all the myriad of different transitions and adjustments and stressors that service members and families endure. And I just wanted to support with that. And, you know, it's been almost 10 years now, and I've worked with some of the most elite organizations, and it's so humbling in an hour to be able to support those that serve as well. It's just an honor. Yes. I love your perspective, Amy. Let me ask you this, though. You know, being a spouse and then also just going to work every day and and serving those that are serving, I mean, was there any point in time when you were on the brink of burnout or maybe you questioned the value of how you're investing your time? That is is such a great question, and I would say absolutely. Uh, I think if anybody knows me, I'm big on normalization, and I think I'm really big on expectation management. Okay. Um, so I thought at times throughout different phases of life, whether, you know, whether there was a mistake or a poor investment. And when it comes to service, I think that's something that has resonated with me as I've, as I've kind of grown into this is that it's kind of like the grit versus quit approach. Um, because we look at that grit and drive as such a desirable trait. Right. You know, getting to yes, that's such a thing that we say all the time. <laughs> yes. And we always look at quitting uh, is synonymous with something negative, right? right? Right, But sometimes people stick things out sometimes far too long because of the emphasis that we put on that, like quitting or stopping something or, you know, being, you know, at, at risk of burnout, right? And so that could be that could be a job or a relationship, whether it be intimate friendship. Uh, but I think that we as human beings should have a healthy balance of drive and knowing when to fold and constantly taking inventory of, you know, where am I in this moment? Is this, you know, something that's more of a vulnerability or a poor investment? I mean, I don't have any regrets in my life. I think that some of the biggest lessons learned have come from the perceived or actual mistakes or potential poor investments. Yeah. Um, but I think, the, I think the only thing that I'm intentional to as a result is being more cognizant of my self-care and how it impacts myself and others right now. Okay. Um, you know, I think, I think there's something to be said about getting on an aircraft having the flight attendant brief us on putting on the oxygen mask prior to assisting other passengers. In life, you have to ensure that you're supported, you're healthy in order to serve others. And if you kind of neglect your own well-being, it has the second and third order effects to kind of impair others. But what I've learned through through time, and, and you've been a great model of it as well, um, as humble as you are, but if you invest in your own care, it'll ultimately support and serve everyone with a bigger return on investment. And I think that looking back, I think there have been times in my life in which I was kind of so laser focused on supporting others yeah. that I kind of neglected my own support. Yeah. So in, in the here and the now, I'm more aware of it. And I can't say that it's a perfect, you know, it's perfect now. And I'm like, 
totally 100% locked on and, you know, intuitive. <laughs> Is there that, such a I thing? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying. But that's probably one of the biggest things that resonates with me. Um, is just kind of when you when you serve others, you need to really ensure that you're filling your own cup, right? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the things you're talking about take this part of your brain that requires almost like a non-emotionality. You know, you're talking about t- like taking in the bigger picture, knowing that this is a normal experience, kind of taking a look at those expectations. And that requires you to get out of that emotional part of your brain, which is usually where we go to if we're tired or worn out or anything like that. So it does make total sense. Grit versus quit. I'm going to remember that. And I can't, yeah, I can't take the credit for grit versus quit. It just resonates with me. Yeah. I mean, if you're smart, you're going to copy things. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah. I like that you threw that out there. (laughs) Think about this, Amy. I'm going to ask you this question, but think in the background. So you honestly make it all sound a little bit easy. (laughs) Um, It's not. Right. And I know how much you do. I've seen you at work and I've seen how much you invest in the people that you serve you know, on the job and, and, um, how much you invest in your family kind of out of the job. And you, you do make it sound a little easy and thank you for number one, just kind of making it sound easy. Let's say though, that a person kind of feel they're, they're enjoying hearing you talk about, you know, just like the way you grew up and some of those early childhood experiences that led to, um, your heart for service and, a desire almost to, to sacrifice on the behalf of others. If a person feels kind of called in that same or similar capacity, how might they now kind of prepare themselves psychologically for a life of service or their families? Okay, that's great. Um, I think one of the biggest things is to listen because we have two ears for a reason one mouth for a reason. And so I think a lot of times, you know, when we're called to serve, I think that sometimes we get so kind of invigorated by service that sometimes we don't truly know maybe what it entails, what is needed for other people in that moment as well. And so sometimes we can assume we know what's best for others and simply give them that. But I think that if we seek to really serve others, the best thing that we can kind of do is take the time to get to know people, honor them um, with that listening ear. I think that if we skip that, we make it a lot more about the the feelings that we get from serving versus actually doing what, you know, what, what we intend to do and actually serving someone else. So I think that, Sometimes we kind of get wrapped up in those feelings. And, and again, that's not an, an easy process. Um, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, we listen to respond. We don't listen to understand, but we do really need to listen to understand. So mm-hmm. I think that, that the first thing would be kind of listen, not only listening to like what other people might need, but listen to what you need and also what your family needs. Sometimes we might be really gung-ho with something. 
and sometimes the bandwidth that we have, you know, might not kind of gel with where we are in our phase of life, right? Yeah. Or where our family or our spouses. So I think that's something to be aware of as well is kind of just taking inventory and stock and what what you need in the moment, what your you know what your partner or your family might need, and kind of rack and stack and see do I have the bandwidth right now to allow the service at what I'm looking for? And and maybe you do, and maybe also you can still serve, but maybe it might look a little bit different than than how you initially kind of planned it out. Yeah. But I think that one of the biggest things too is that personally and. I love working within a team, and I think that um, working with Barb and, and the team that we had um, at a period of time was really, really impressive, and it was amazing to see kind of like holistic level care when you're able to support and serve others. And so I think sometimes recognizing that you might not be the whole solution, yeah, and it kind of takes a it takes a team to provide that service, right? Yes, um, and that can be a personal service or a professional service. The other thing that goes without saying, too, and it's taken a, a little bit of years to kind of figure this out, too, um, and it, this is humbling as well. There are times in which you might be asked for support and you might not be the answer. Right. So it's okay. It's, it's still serving by referring to someone else or tagging someone else if it's needed. Yeah. Because you're actually still getting that person, the needs met. But a lot of times, again, it's like, Putting some, with service, it feels so good to give back to others, and also sometimes it can start to kind of feed into: Am I doing this solely to support and and do that, or is it also because it feels good, right? And kind of putting the ego to a side for a second and kind of saying, okay, what does this person need, or what what is needed in this moment to ensure that you know, service is actually it, it kind of like an optimal level is kind of what I would say. Right. Um, other things that would really, I, I think it goes without saying, but I think, again, this was my biggest vulnerability, is that self-care is imperative. Mm-hmm. You've got to invest in your self-care. And I think, again, you know, making sure that you've got those good habits, you know, kind of looking at, at what those values look like for you and in, in, in the different domains, you know, for me, and in my phase of life, I, I really lean into ensuring that, that I'm exercising, that I'm getting enough sleep, that, you know, I'm fueling my body with, with what I need, that I'm, I'm making sure that I'm spending time with my family and I'm connecting and getting to do all of those things and, and meeting the mark with that. Religion, spirituality, those things are important to me. Yes. But I would ask people to figure out, yeah, I would ask people to figure out what does that look like for you? and ensure you've got kind of um, tools in your toolbox so that when you are serving other people, you in turn are actually getting your needs met and, and you're able to kind of, you know, provide optimization for, for whatever that service would be, insert whatever works for you. But from the spouse and family perspective, I would definitely make sure, again, that going with the expectation management, yes. I would make sure that your spouse and your family understands what the service means to you, why it's important, and also kind of what it may entail 
and how it may impact not only you, but the relationship or like, what do you need from me? And, you know, if you feel like, you know, the, the service has come at a cost, how can I support you? Are we ensuring that we're communicating and checking in with one another? You know, if you see that I'm, I'm more vulnerable to burnout or something like that, are you part of my fire team where you're, you're, you're supporting me and letting me know and vectoring me. But I think those would be kind of a few things that would be more of like the psychologically beneficial things to do when either preparing yourself or preparing, you know, a loved one or a family member when it kind of comes to service in general. Yeah, I've seen so much going back to when you talked about your husband having the kind of wherewithal to set you down and have that conversation. I don't think that happens very often, by the way. Sure. So good on him. Just making... I'm sorry for cutting you off, Barb. I think that that was probably one of the most invaluable things to me because, candidly speaking, there were some good, there were some bad, and there were some really ugly experiences throughout kind of navigating service right and I think on his end and also on my end right but I think that the more that you can kind of have those uncomfortable conversations I I think that psychologically that did a lot for me because we only have a hundred percent bandwidth that's it sometimes those domains Mm -hmm. yeah it's gonna take more than another like and sometimes work or service for example right it's gonna take maybe more percentage but as long as your, you know, your core group of people know that, you know, I, I still love you, I still care about you, I'm still here to, you know, you're, you're the enduring and also this is also something that I have a passion and purpose for. I think that as long as you kind of continue to check in with that, if you have those kind of conversations, yes, they, they can be uncomfortable when it's challenging. And also I think that really brought us through some of the more vulnerable times. Yeah. Um, because I was given the expectation of, ah, you know what? I might be away for long periods of time. There might be some, you know, some things that I miss that might be important to you, but I value service. And I also value that, that he gave me that. And also let me, I had the opportunity to vote with my feet when he told me that. And for better or worse, I chose to to suck it up. So here I am. Yeah. It is so important having that commitment ahead of the the difficulty. Um, Having decided, and I read recently, like even the word decide means to cut, I think in the Greek, like you're just, you're cutting uh, the rope on whatever else, like this is your decision, you're going to commit to it and and making that commitment together that the unknown is the only thing that's certain and there may be difficulty ahead. Like you said, with that expectation in mind, I think the bumps in the road become a little less bumpy or tragic. Okay, if let's say someone is listening in and they are interested in taking a similar path of service to yours, they can't necessarily just decide they wanna be a military spouse. That would be weird. Uh, well, how might you suggest that they begin that pursuit? I think that's a great question. I think a couple things. So if someone's interested in pursuing social work or, you know, in general mental health, working within the military, something of those kind of similar paths, I would express as much curiosity as you can. Leaning in 
asking people who are in your dream job, I feel like is a, is a real good place to start, if at all possible. And leaning in, asking people who are in school pursuing but might not be at the end state of, of where you want to be, I think that's also good. And I mean, the theme around kind of if you're interested, what are things that you should begin doing? I think that really connection is, is important and kind of the networking with other people. Sometimes I feel like people minimize just the importance of that connection and community. Yeah. And there, there are a lot of different platforms where even if you don't personally know someone who is in a job that you're interested in pursuing, LinkedIn, for example, I can't tell you how many times in which I've had someone message me to kind of inquire on what training was required, what the license requirement was, the amount of time, some of the coursework. I am always uh, open to entertaining, taking an hour or, you know, answering questions as needed. And I think a lot of people in helping professions are of the same flavor, where as long as they have the capability or the, you know, advanced notice, I think that people are more than willing to kind of support other people. The reach out to network. Uh, you don't have to know someone in order to reach out. I think that people value and appreciate that you're expressing that curiosity. And I think they are willing to help. But you have to put yourself out there. You have to be vulnerable. Right. And you have to kind of ask, right? That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I think also maybe acknowledging and kind of having the expectation that your experience uh, in someone else's may have different variables, right? So if you do end up talking to a professional that is in, you know, social work or, you know, working within the military or mental health, whatever, insert the, the pursuit that you, you want to get into, I would really look at it from the cost-benefit analysis for yourself and your family because it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to education, when it comes to practicums, when it comes to the phase of life people are in, all of the variables that, that life bring our way. So I think that kind of being you know authentic to where you are as you're looking at, at these pursuits, I think is a, is a great place to kind of just reflect and see, okay, well, let me take inventory of, of where I am. And as, as I stated with the psychology versus social work, candidly speaking, like I said, the psychology realm looked far more advantageous for me. It was far more appealing. Um, and the coursework was, was, a, was a lot more um, palatable for me. And also, when I started to look at the time parameters, when I started to look at, you know, entering the workplace and wanting children and all of those kind of things, it didn't align with other places in the phase of life that I was in. So I kind of had to be, eat a little bit of humble pie. I kind of had to explore what, what were some of the reasons why psychology was so important to me and also look at why social work was an option that would be invaluable for me and where I would still be able to serve and I still would be able to get my needs met and I still would be able to, you know, get the certifications or 
get more reps in with my clinical acumen, whether it be mentoring with other people or, or talking to subject matter experts like Barb here. But there were a lot of other opportunities. So I think sometimes, you know, you also have to take inventory to kind of see that, yes, I might want to pursue this. And also it might be the right time or it might not be the right fit, right? And going back to the drawing board and kind of seeing, okay, well, what else kind of is a theme or a trend of something that might be synonymous with still getting my needs met, but still kind of aligning with service. And I hope that makes sense. It really does. It makes so much sense. It reminds me of when you were talking about yourself in college that you started out pre-med as a major. And it's it's so funny. I did too, because it's like, that's something automatically you think of when you think of helping, right? And then throughout all those experiences, just step by step by step, you find your own very unique path that's just the right fit for you. And so I love that the way you said is just stay curious and that no one's path, like there's so many thousands of variables and that is a great thing. Someone that is not going to look exactly like you because we don't need another them, you know, we need a you. So I love all of that and definitely reach out to others. It's a vulnerable spot to be, uh, but it'll save you a lot of time most likely and heartache as well. So really, really, really good tips. Well, Amy, I think that is it for today. I just want to thank you for the work that you've done, the work that you continue to do and for your time today. I really appreciate it. Well, I want to thank you as well, because that goes both ways. And thank you for the time today. I appreciate it.